I recently stumbled on an old map of Hudson that showed not one but two breweries located downtown Hudson. The map from 1870 shows that both Montman's Brewery and Gridley and Wise Brewery were downtown more than 150 years ago. Other breweries have come and gone over the years, and today Hudson has two fantastic breweries, Pitchfork and Hop and Barrel Brewing, the latter of which brought beer back downtown Hudson when it opened its doors in 2017. The idea for Hop and Barrel came after attorney Justin Turbeast started having success at various home brewing competitions around the country. When he decided to open his own brewery, he chose downtown Hudson for the location. Hop and Barrel recently celebrated its six year anniversary and now sells its beer in just about every county in Wisconsin. Justin joins this week's St. Croix Stories episode to talk beer, giving up life as a lawyer, and the collaborations he's enjoyed with others in the local community. Enjoy my conversation with Justin, which we recorded in the tap room at Hop and Barrel. Well, I'm at Hop and Barrel Brewing downtown Hudson today for our next guest on the St. Croix Stories podcast, Justin Turbies, the CEO of Hop and Barrel. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Maybe uh, give a little background about who you are and, uh, and what you do here at Hop and Barrel. Yeah. Uh, my name is Justin. Um, I'm the owner and CEO of Hop and Barrel Brewing. We opened six years ago and I am a bit of a jack of all trades. Besides kind of the back end business side, I'd say most of my day to day is is kind of a sales management role and then touching base with our tapper manager and, and brewery managers. And I'll, I'll just point out, there's some noise in the back. We're at the brewery, like I said, there's some dogs here. It's a very dog friendly place. So uh, we gotta, gotta love the, the ambient noise. So no, this is fun. Um, so take me back to the beginning of your beer journey. Um, I know you're a home brewer kind of from the get-go, when, when did you start doing that and how did you get into doing that? Yeah, uh, it, it's a very Hudson-centric story. Um, I really should memorize the year, but it was probably about 2014, 2013. Um, I, I was a lawyer um, for about 10 years before this and I, I went along with a friend who's a, an attorney in town, Kevin Urbick, and okay. we went to the hospital's foundation uh, annual wine tasting event. And okay had a fair amount of wine and decided we should do something like this with beer. And we got involved with the local Rotaract group, um, which is the, you know, younger person's rotary. I don't sure. think they exist in town anymore. Um, but we got involved with them, put together this beer tasting event. And um, it really wasn't much of a beer or craft beer person prior to that, but it, it, it gave me a pretty good exposure to the industry. Sure. About six months after that, I started uh, home brewing and kind of got bit by the bug, started doing contest brewing and hit a point in my career where it was, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to venture out on my own or do I want to try something new? And I decided to try something new. Take me back to the, the home brewing beginning because I've done a little home brewing myself, um, not to the level that, that you've done, but I know it's, you know, a lot of learning curves and everything. Did you, I mean, how did you do some research for it or what did, how did you kind of first? Yeah, remember? it was... I mean, it was something that I've been toying with for a while, kind of thinking about it ever since that uh, event. But I I went on a, a family spring break trip to Florida, and I, I'm not a beach person, but I spent a little too much time drinking some Dogfish Head 120s oh, nice. and ordered a, a homebrew kit. So by the time I got home, um, I had one of the Northern Brewer, the Caribou Slobber Stout. Okay. Or not stout, it was a... The Moose Drool. The Moose Drool one, yeah. yeah. So I brewed that first, and then I did a... Uh, a double IPA box kit from them. Okay. 
And then after that, I started writing my own recipes. Fast forward about a year and I had a keyser system in my basement with 16 taps. Wow. <laughs> and I, it, that's why I turned to contest brewing. I couldn't give the beer away fast enough. Yeah. I, I certainly wasn't drinking that much. Right. And that's the tough part about home brewing is you brew all this and then what do you do with it? Yeah, know? friends and family are great, but they'll only take so much and right. you can't really get feedback. So I started doing contests just to kind of get rid of it and get a little feedback. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it all really jumped off. Talk about the contest brewing. It's not. I don't know too much about that as far as the home brewing side. I mean, what what goes into that, and, and kind of what did you do, you know, on that level before starting Hop and Brew? Yeah, there's different levels. I I enjoyed the Wisconsin ones um, a lot more. They were, you know, there's there's the state ones and the nationals are really kind of what gave me the confidence to actually jump into this as a career. And I I had two years in a row, both in Boston and Minneapolis, that I had beer I sent off. I had made the nationals. Um, I got in the top six. Um, each year is with two very different beers. One is Zorro, which we still make to this oh, day. Nice. Okay. And the other was a sour, which um, we haven't done much with actual mixed culture sours. We've done the kettle sours, but that's about to change. Our anniversary this year, we're debuting our, our first true mixed culture sour. Oh, cool. And that was based on the work I did with that. Nice. But besides those, those types of contests where you're putting together a beer, it goes off to a, a neutral blind judge. It's all, you know... There's a, a standard uh, BJCP, Beer Judge Certificate Program okay. sheet, essentially, that has all these different categories that you judge a beer by. And it's as about as objective as you can make a fairly subjective <laughs> drinking experience. <laughs> yeah. um, things like taste, mouthfeel, aroma, yeah. and you get points based on each of these categories. Sure. But I, I really enjoyed a lot of the Wisconsin contests, especially in Wausau. There was a homebrew club out there. I, I was part of the local Hudson one, but we were affiliated with this one in Wausau. They okay. had um, the Golden Growler. It was very fun. They had a judged portion that was kind of blind and professional. And then they had a popularity contest one where you got grouped with similar styles. And okay. Great camaraderie, great way to learn, great way to see what was going on in other parts of the states. Yeah. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm sure there's probably some some trial and error along the way with with home brewing. Do you have oh, any uh, memorable uh, stories of maybe ones that you you brewed and by the end of it you're like, oh, this is this isn't worth uh, bringing to the competition. Many many. There's <laughs> a lot of duds you get through. Um, no, I've, I've had a couple that stuck out. You know, a couple of my favorites are either still in existence in some form today or varied into something. Crooked was kind of based on a double IPA. Um, that we toned down. We've talked about making the original recipe for years, but have never quite yeah. done it. Um, Zorro was actually hasn't changed much at all. And then there's some that you just don't ever want to talk about. <laughs> I had a mint stout that oh, was boy. probably might as well have drank or drank toothpaste. Essentially, <laughs> that thing was horrible. Um, but sometimes you have to take the risk and take it. You know, yeah. give, give something a try. To yeah, see you got to try. Infection risks are much higher with home brews. So you'll get some batches that just go bad, and packaging's not nowhere near as consistent. So there's nothing yeah. more frustrating than putting all this time and weeks into fermentation, and then you screw something up at packaging, and all yeah. of a sudden you lost all that hard work. And, I mean, that happens in professional brewing too, to be honest. But um, on the home brewing level, it's pretty pretty emotionally draining. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned that earlier that you were, while you were doing the home brewing stuff, uh, you were a lawyer full-time. That was your, your job previously. Uh, what was that transition like in kind of giving that part up and, and launching a brewer? Was that uh, a little bit scary to make that jump? Yeah, it was. I guess I, it's kind of a weird segue, but I, I grew up on a, a, a dairy farm, um, a small farm, not like a lot of the corporate ones now, and kind of came from a family of entrepreneurs back to my grandparents who like had a, a few different businesses in a small town. So I, I grew up around this environment of 
you know, starting businesses, trying things, yeah. not all of them worked, but you, you figured it out. So I sort of had that in my mindset of something I grew up with. So, you know, the idea of, of trying a business or, or doing something on my own was something I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. And jumping into brewing at the time, you know, the industry is a little different than it was six years ago. It was still a pretty exciting time. Um, breweries were opening. Kind of the boom of breweries. It was, right? on, the, it was on the tail end, yeah. but we weren't in the cities. You know, Hudson was the target or at least the St. Croix Valley areas where we were looking. Um, American Sky had left a couple years before. Mm-hmm. And that was part of it. At the time, I was heavily brewing. That was kind of the hangout. And yeah. when they left, it sort of left a hole that a lot of us in the in the local beer industry were like well they were doing a good job there's no reason someone else couldn't do something similar and yeah. I mean, pitchfork was here for all of it so right. um they were growing and doing their cool things so it felt like hudson could have another brewery or something in this area yeah i think i maybe met you uh, you may even remember at american sky one time we i was only there a few times but i think i remember meeting you there um way <laughs> Probably, back in the day yeah. i i uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't there as much as, as some, but I would I would go on a lot of Fridays after work and sit and share beers and then the homebrew clubs I was involved in met there pretty regularly. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it's been about six years, December twenty seventeen. Take me back to the time of um kind of getting things going with the brewery, uh, finding the space, getting the equipment. I mean, just everything that goes into it, I got to imagine is a pretty big lift and at the time yeah. you're still, you know, full time attorney. Yep. I mean it was something um, early 17 decided let's let's forge ahead let's do this business plan in place looking at finding somewhere in the St. Croix Valley area and then the late John Hoggett was a, a, a friend of mine and when the site rat became open he knew I was looking around but in my head it was a couple years down the road and he showed us this site or told us it was open and that just sped things up mm-hmm. about a year quicker than we thought we were going to do so we went from you know, let's get a plan together. This is what we're going to do to, oh, like, let, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. So, you know, met with the owners of the building, got a deal worked out, figured the equipment out in that spring, ordered it. So, you know, in our head, we were hoping to be opening around Halloween. Typical delays with the equipment, that kind of thing. Yeah. Instead, we got the equipment in Halloween and grew like crazy for that November and opened on December 8th of 2017. Okay, nice. Now, you mentioned wanting to be in St. Croix Valley area, maybe Hudson mm-hmm. specifically. Was there a reason for that, that you were kind of looking at this area to open up? I mean, I lived, you know, I've lived in Roberts or Somerset or been around this area. Sure. I didn't want to be that far away. Um, I knew I wanted to be in Wisconsin um, versus Minnesota. And then... Were there like laws that made it more favorable? At the time, a little bit so. I mean, you know, maybe not everyone, but in the industry, Surly changed the game for distribution and taproom laws in Minnesota. And I'm not saying either state's better. They both have their Mm hangups. Minnesota is is much more focused on packaging restriction and how that works. Wisconsin, you have a lot more liberty to to package and distribute your beer, but there's a lot more hang up over ownership, where you reside, who owns it, how many owners, things like that. It just it doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah. So it, it's this or that, and you know between taxes and fees, both states end up really being pretty similar, and, sure. and they just call it different things. But it was more about just staying in your community. We were here, we lived here, uh, had a life here. Why cross the border? Yeah. Um, so just wanted to be in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I assume downtown was, was an ideal target for something like that. It I mean, was. I don't know if um, a long time ago, maybe there's a brewery downtown, but as far as I know, I mean, it's yeah, the first. 
We're unique and it, it, it provides obviously some benefits with the tap room. Uh, a lot of more difficulties with our distribution side as we grow. You know, most breweries are typically just outside, you know, it's repurposed buildings or areas that have kind of fallen to decay and repairing or it's um, a light industrial zone, that type of thing. This building fits that, but we're in a, a area of town you wouldn't expect that. So this is, a, it's a unique situation with our building um, and being a brewery in a downtown at our scale is not normal. Um, it doesn't take a lot of looking around and you figure that out. So yeah. it's, we're, we're a little bit of an outlier in that uh, matchup. Yeah. When you were opening or kind of maybe thinking about opening your own brewery, were there other breweries, whether it was, you know, styles of beer or just their, their overall vibe of the, the space that you were kind of modeling after you trying to just um, kind of do your own thing? I mean, there's always, there's obviously inspiration. Yeah. You, you don't do something like this if, you know, this doesn't just come out of nowhere. There's, right. there's things you've seen that you like or things you think, oh, I could do that, but I'd want to do this different or better or, or whatever. As far as styles of beers, not, actually, no, not yeah. really as far as the styles. That's very driven by the people here and what we wanted to do. As far as our equipment, um, <laughs> a lot of credit to Bad Weather. Okay. Um, they were very friendly kind of open their doors, let us look around, poke around, look at it. Uh, and even American Sky was a bit of an inspiration, seeing what they were doing. But uh, Bad Weather is one of those we haven't really done too much with since then. Um, but they they were, in how they brewed, how they set things up, that was a, a big jump off point for us. We learned a lot. Yeah, I like Bad Weather too, it's a good spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, looking back now at kind of those early days, is there something that now that you've been at this for six years that you wish you knew early on that uh, you know, some learning lessons along the way? I mean, it's been a unique six years between, you know, COVID, how yeah. that's affected the industry, positive and negative, downtown being torn up for construction the year after that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's easy to, to look back at the specifics. But in a general sense, I think where we're at now and where we were then, we, we opened at a scale. We knew distribution was going to be part of what we were doing. Yeah. Um, we definitely upsized our brew house knowing distribution was going to be part of our, our business model. But understanding how that distribution works outside of just making the beer and the relationships you need with distributors and building those relationships with bars and, and liquor stores and your, your customers was something that we were not equipped or really prepared for. Yeah. Um, and I think we've done a good job growing. I'm happy with where we're at and our, our distribution is very strong now, but it was definitely something that was a learning curve we, we were not ready for. Yeah. How far do you guys distribute to now? Well, um, good question. I did not put you up to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm just generally curious. <laughs> you know, yeah. But starting uh, January 1st, uh, where we will essentially be statewide in Wisconsin. Oh, cool. We're adding on two very big partners um, in WDI that covers the southern third of Wisconsin and okay. then Dean that covers Green Bay, um, pretty much all north. So okay. outside of Door County and a little bit of area around there, okay. uh, we'll be statewide starting that. That's something that I'm not super familiar with, the, the distribution process. I mean, what 
obviously you have people on the ground kind of all over the state, but what, what does that entail to just kind of going out, you know, checking out different communities, different areas and figuring out well, where's a good fit for maybe for yeah, beer? There, there's two different ways to approach it. There's what we did for our first year and, and what a lot of breweries do is self-distribution. Um, make the beer, we go directly to a restaurant or a liquor store and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm with Hop and Barrel, we have this. You offer your products as a sample, you see how it goes, you and you, you sell your beer directly to that account. Yeah. Um, we don't do that so much except for a, a few little parts across the border. We, we do sell in Duluth and Brainerd and St. Cloud, not too much in the Twin Cities, but what we do what we do in the Twin Cities is still that self-distribution model. Sure. Everywhere else we work with distributors, okay. um, which are awesome shipping companies that focus on beer or uh, soda sales. And they handle the logistics, they have their own sales team, they operate each like their own business so how they operate locally with our our biggest distributors bills that covers you know the st croix valley um pretty much hudson to menominee and now they own everything all the way up to lake superior how we operate with them is very differently than how we operate their neighbor park ridge and and eau claire and the, the two i mentioned before so it's learning their team learning how they operate um, it, it's, you know, having a team of business partners who want to sell your beer and make money, but what works in their market, what works yeah. in their portfolio, what other craft brands do they have that you can fit in with? Um, how do our reps who go around and, and, and push our beer interact with their team? So it's, it is more personality management, sure. um, than actually focusing on the beer sometimes. Yeah. I know you guys have your beer in, in you know, local restaurants here in town too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, the collaboration piece, uh, whether that's, you know, partnering with other breweries. I know you guys have kind of done some collaboration beers with other places. Uh, you, you brew beer for Sam's Christmas Village in Somerset, uh, which I'm excited to take my kids to again this year. Yeah. Uh, how important is that sense of collaboration and community to you? That's everything. I mean, it's why we focused here. It's why we wanted to be here. Um, and I think when, when a brewery first opens up in a, especially a town like Hudson, where there's so many restaurants, yeah. it, it's easy to look at it as another competing place. And I, I, I'd like to think we've kind of gotten past that now. Yeah. Um, where people realize we're, we're here to one, we want to sell them our beer and two, we're not doing food. We want people to come in, have a beer here, go to their restaurants you guys even versa. have menus you know, mm-hmm. from the other restaurants at the, at the brewery. But, you know, a, a town like Hudson benefits, uh, the benefits of tourism really can't be undersold in a mm-hmm. town like Hudson, or really any town. Right. So working together on collaboration events or cross-marketing or just supporting each other when you need a bag of sugar or yeah. some type of product or whatever. Like right. All the little things that go on that aren't worth talking about happen all the time and it's just great to be part of a community yeah so i, I you know it, it's i don't know how more to, to describe it beyond that like this is our town this is what's made us this is what we want to promote so yeah. when we go across the state we're taking a little bit of what hudson is with us and and trying to get people to buy into that yeah you remember the first time you went into maybe one of the local restaurants and you saw your beer on tap but like what, what's that that's gonna be a pretty cool feeling honestly it, it's still crazy um it's a very cool feeling. Um, you know, from the very first time it was, you know, Pudge's next door was our first, when it was Pudge's was our, our first keg sale outside of our door from that to, you know, our newest customer of, you know, driving to green Bay and seeing your beer there. It's just, it, it, it's still just as cool as it was six years ago. And it's still kind of mind blowing to, 
to really think about it, that someone is willing to give it a try, they like it, they keep selling it, it's it's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the, the tourism piece, and it, at least from my perspective, it seems like more and more people are coming to Hudson from the Twin Cities because it's, you know, 30 minute drive and they realize how much is here. Have you noticed maybe more out-of-towners coming or not so much? Yeah, I, I would say a lot so. Um, really since the road construction stopped yeah. a lot more. <laughs> I think people are looking for things outside of the city, outside what they're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, the suburbs are growing at a rapid pace, so you know people aren't living downtown. But as as everything just across the river grows, um, you know, and Hudson's a great location. We have everyone coming by in '94. You yeah. Know, as I go throughout the state, everyone basically knows where Hudson is or mm-hmm. has a connection to it or stops through. So it's not just people from the Twin Cities; it's from the rest of the state coming through. Yeah. So obviously Pitchfork Brewing, another brewery in town here. So just, I think, you know, for a town of our size uh, to have two breweries in town is pretty cool. What I mean, what do you make of having them in, in town as well? And does that kind of help you guys? Or do you, oh, of course. Can, I mean, share with them? yeah, I mean, I don't think we interact as much as we, you know, it's one of those things where we're all, we're all quite friendly within yeah. the industry. Even, even other, other breweries we might be forced into a little more competition with, depending on our brands or, our distribution models but you know i remember taking my oldest son to their Oktoberfest when he was like three i've got some great photos there but no mike has always been um i wouldn't say we're good friends just because we're both so busy with what we do sure. but pitchfork is amazing yeah. um, one of the i should know how many years they've been open now but they just had their anniversary too and i missed it this year i was out of town but they're great um I'd say the same about most of the breweries around here, but yeah, I love Pitchfork. Nice. I think you guys are taking part in a lot of beer festivals or those type of things too. How big is that for just kind of brand awareness and spreading the word about you guys, you know, what you guys do? And then maybe do you have some some favorite uh, festivals that you guys yeah, participate in? It's kind of an interesting topic. We we've ebbed and flowed. We we've done a lot this year, and we've purposely pulled back the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think a lot of we we've put a little more thought into who and why with some of the festivals. If it's not really in an area where selling beer there's not a lot of point to it right and there's too many people throwing well, i guess i'll stick with it there's too many people throwing these festivals that are just in it to make some money because they can be pretty good revenue generators yeah. and a lot of breweries are taking a loss mm. to be totally frank we're either selling beer at a discount or spending money on the staff or travel or whatever that may be and at a certain point is it is it worth that marketing effort to get that beer out there versus just going to sell or doing what we're normally doing so festivals are kind of a a hot button topic in the industry sure so i'd, I'd say there's a little more thought that goes into who's putting it on what's the purpose yeah. um a lot of the really big ones which you really see more in the twin cities mm. we've kind of pulled back from some of them unless people really want to go and then it's yeah. oh you can <laughs> we'll send some beer but you're sure. kind of on your own but you start to figure out the fun ones the ones that you know, you know the local communities in it. It's not just someone who's there to sell a bunch of tickets and move on. Right. It's run by the local chamber. Um, all the restaurants and bars show up and use it as a chance to learn about what's going on. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just a lot of fun breweries show up and you kind of want to see some friends. Sure. So I'd say they're 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 a little hit or miss. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them by any stretch, but there's okay, a lot of them. There's a lot of them yeah. too. So you. And which ones matter? Matter brewery to brewery. Right. And they matter, you know, attendee to attendee. So I'm not singling any of them out and saying any one of them are bad. I think it just becomes a little bit of, 
you could easily spend nine months out of the year doing two to three festivals a year yeah. if you wanted to. Right. So it's you just have to kind of think through it. Sure. I want to get kind of into some beer-specific questions here, geek out a little bit on, on beer. Do you have a favorite style of beer to drink? And I, we're, we're drinking beers here at the brewery. Uh, I've got the Hazy Valley. I don't know what you have, but... Uh, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm drinking something new. Oh. It's not on tap yet, okay. but I'm drinking some of the uh, the new Doc's Pale Ale. Okay. This is our, our new Pale Ale coming out. Um, this will be a year-round one for us. We're pretty excited about. But for me, it's still always going to be hoppy beer. Sure. Never was a huge Hazy Boy fan, and that trend has definitely settled down a bit but um i I like bitterness you know similar to heat i I like i I like that kind of kick in your face know you're drinking beer but you do it long enough i'm also a big fan of lagers yeah i'm 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 a big ipa guy too ipa guy too gotten more into the barrel age stuff uh, as well i know you guys do a little bit of that right or you have in the past we have there's been a little pause that's actually something that's coming back okay um this december we, we retooled our entire barrel age program. Um, we brought in a, a little more variety of barrels and we, instead of just leaning on our ridiculous idiot stouts, we've got four different base beers in barrels right now. And we're gonna start doing a quarterly release in the silly uh, wax dipped uh, custom glass bottles as well as on tap here. Um, but that's going to start December. We're nice. about to announce that here the next week. So okay. you kind of heard that one here first. <laughs> yeah, and my guess is that's probably a little more labor intensive to do the barrel age stuff. Um, time intensive. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, um, packaging is a little different. It takes more time. Not everyone works. And yeah. I think we, we spread a little risk around by instead of going, you know, 20 barrels filled with one stout, do they work? We have a few different styles and a few different style barrels. It lets us be a little more flexible. Sure. And then ideally if it works maybe three to four times a year but probably about three times a year we'll do different releases yeah kind of like i mentioned the sour program that's probably more once a year where the barrels the barrel aged stuff will be a smaller scale more often sure i uh, mentioned favorite favorite style of beer what the least favorite style and then you mentioned not big on the hazies um yeah but as funny as we were just talking about it i'm not a big stout person okay interesting. um i like the barrel aged i like the big robustness of those but as a go-to, I am I'm not a uh, a dark dark beer yeah. kind of person. I'm the same porters and stuff. It's just gotta be the right maybe in the winter time. But, no, uh, I, I can I can appreciate pretty much any beer. Sure, but uh, not not something I'm really ever gonna turn to when I'm picking out a tap choice at a bar. Yeah, how about a favorite style to brew? I mean, they're not probably too different to, to make, but is there one that is, is maybe a, a favorite to brew? Um, I mean, I I'm a fan of the Minnesconsin. Okay, it's it's well. I mean, it has its own problems. Just the nature of the uh, grain in that one makes it pretty sticky. Um, so there's some challenges, but not in the way you'd think in, in the technical side. It's more of the uh, mechanical, making sure you've done everything in the mash right so it doesn't turn into a dough ball when you're watering. Sure. Yeah. So now the brewery here, Hop and Barrel, you guys host a lot of different events. You've got the, the wrestling, uh, you got live music, uh, trivia, all that sort of thing. What's been maybe some of the favorite things that you've hosted here over the years? Oh. There's been so many, you know, for me, it, I mean, first answer from the hip is, is the music, um, you know, kind of the firewater shows are one of my favorites. We have them out twice a year for the anniversary and a summer show. And I've, I've gotten to know a lot of those guys real well. And it's I know, firewater gospel. Band, yeah. Right? Firewater gospel yep. choir is a local, uh, we'll call it the local superstar band, <laughs> but uh, a great local country rock band. And obviously we don't lean into music as much as Ziggy's or even some of the other places, but 
I think we bring a pretty good quality of music. You know, the wrestling has been kind of a runaway <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise hit. Um, yeah, how did that, how did you get started with that, by the way? How did that come Well, about? it was, it was honestly not something we set out to plan. Sure. Um, it, it was a factor of COVID. If you're familiar with the wrestling, uh, St. Paul has a, is, a lot of people would argue is the birthplace of modern professional wrestling um, for a bunch of reasons. Um, but Eau Claire has an arguably very similar dedicated following. Well, with the restrictions going on after during COVID, a lot of places wouldn't allow organizations like that to, to keep doing their thing. Sure. So we were hit up by three or four different wrestling groups looking to, you know, set up something in Hudson or this area. Yeah. Um, and we started working with Ironheart and they've been a really good partner. Sure. So it's great when they can be outside and we don't have to bring it inside. It gets a little, it gets a little, well, that, and it's just, it's not as fun. The noise gets a little loud. Um, it, it's not the space to work in for something like that, right. but the outside shows are amazing and, and people have a little fun at the inside. So I shouldn't say that. It's just the cleanups a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> have they gotten you in the ring at all yet? No. In no? fact, it's kind of a funny thing. I have not been to a wrestling match here, not because I didn't want to, but just a circumstance of like the first three, I couldn't, and they kept getting better. And then we were all superstitious enough that now <laughs> I've just almost as a joke, don't come to wrestling yeah. because it, it, it just keeps growing as long as I don't show up apparently. Yeah, that's fine. A couple left here for you. Um, you kind of mentioned some some things you have coming up here for new, new beers and that sort of thing, but what does 2024 look like for Hop and Barrel when you look ahead to the, the following year? Well, I mentioned earlier the, the distribution is going to be our big focus. Um, you know, adding on essentially half the state we weren't in within a couple months is, is pretty aggressive, yeah. but we've We've worked out some really good partnerships for it, but that's going to take a lot of energy to support that while keeping what we're doing in Hudson the same and growing. Changing up a few little things with some events. Trivia night's going to kind of have a change. It's moving to Thursday. We're trying to figure out the Monday through Wednesday. A lot of the stuff we hit on Thursday is moving to, two, you know, little things like that sure. just to kind of keep a fresh face. And yeah. Nothing crazy, but just try some new stuff to give it a, a freshen for the spring and into winter. We've got some pretty big events we're working on for the summer as far as the lot goes. And really kind of bringing, like I said, that little bit of Hudson to the rest of the state as yeah. we get Green Bay and Madison on board. Nice. This is kind of a one I don't think we had talked about before, but if you're if there's home brewers out there, people who are interested in, in maybe getting into it, you know, someone who, who kind of went through that journey, what would you what advice would you give to maybe someone who's thought about brewing at home and, and just hasn't taken that leap? What what advice would you give to them to start out? Like if they're looking to get into professional brewing? No, just if they want to home brew. I mean, if they, oh, if they just kind of want to you know, mess around at home and, and brew their own beer. Yeah, I mean, I, I should know this, but uh, Northern Brewer, I think the, the physical stores are gone, but they're still an excellent resource and a great way to get some... Some, some really good kits to start. Yeah, and, that's where I bought my stuff from too. Yeah, yeah, and I remember looking at the catalog and feeling overwhelmed. There's so <laughs> many things to do, but you can start really easy. And the thing to remember about brewing is, you know, you can look at a system as cool as Surly's, as big as Coors, as, as small as ours, or, you know, even a neighborhood brewery that doesn't distribute. Yeah. And it's the same thing going on. Yeah. You're, you're taking some grains, you're extracting some sugars, you're fermenting them, 
it's really just a matter of the mechanics and scale, but it is the same process from home brewing to professional brewing. There is nothing different about what's happening with that grain to glass. So don't feel overwhelmed. Just step back, start simple, and just jump into it because you'll figure out what you like, what you don't like. Um, even on any given system, most of our brewers kind of have a different style and a different approach. And it's going to be the same once you start doing it on your own. And finding that blend between uh, the art of it and the craft, the, the scientific craft of it is, is where everyone's got to find their own stride. So just jump in, start it. I would say patience too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, it's, 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 a, it's a work in progress as, as you learn. It's the nature of it. Yeah. I mean, you spend, you know, once you get it honed in, a typical brew day, six hours, and half that's just cleaning. Yeah. And then you sit around and wait a couple of weeks and yep. see if it worked or didn't. So yeah, it's a good exercise in patience. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, last one, and I ask everyone on the podcast this question. Uh, what is your favorite thing about Hudson and the, the local community here? This is kind of maybe a cop-out, but just the community itself. It's a vibrant community. It feels like a town where you can try anything. Is that a weird way to put? But I mean, no, I, obviously my, my view in this community is tied in with the service industry. And there's a lot of familiar faces, there's new faces, but it is a very supportive, um, even with, you know, the, the places that are in competition with each other. It's a tight-knit, supportive, friendly community, and I, I love it. I know our glasses are both empty, but I'm going to say cheers anyway to, uh, <laughs> cheers. to joining on the uh, St. Croix Stories podcast. Thanks, Justin, for taking the time today and for everyone tuning in. If you haven't been to Hop and Barrel yet, if you've been to downtown Hudson, you've driven by it, stop in and uh, check out a beer they got. You guys are pretty much every style that, uh, you know, for any any type of beer drinker that they might want. So uh, I think you can find something for everybody here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, everyone tuning in, be sure to subscribe to the St. Croix Stories podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at stcroixstories.com. Until next time, have a great day.